The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. Let's talk Christmas parties because, yes, Christmas party season is almost upon us and I think we all have at least one embarrassing Christmas party story but sometimes those stories can have serious consequences for our work life. Damien McCarthy from HR Buddy joins me this morning with some expert HR advice as we enter into the season of work Christmas parties and all they entail. And, and Damien, you have advice for their bosses as well. It's not just employees who have to be aware of the do's and don'ts at Christmas parties, do they? Yeah, hi Orla. Um, well, look, uh, Christmas party season is exciting, I think, especially uh, this year because it's kind of the first year that, you know, the COVID pandemic is behind us and, you know, everyone is free again. They kind of started up last year, but there may have still been a, a little bit of worry about COVID. But this year we're free of all that. So people are looking forward to going out and having a good Christmas party. It's obviously very important for workplaces now because a lot of people may be, uh, you know, mixed up in hybrid and remote working and so on. So it's a very people look forward to it. And I think, uh, you know, the employers look forward to it just as much as the employees because mm-hmm. they can be, you know, for, very good bonding experience and good for morale and that's what Christmas parties should be uh, about but you know there is a very important side of it that I think some workplaces uh, and some managers kind of fail to look after um, with regards to work work events and Christmas parties and I suppose that's not communicating the standards um, of behaviour and so on that um, you know that people get involved in at Christmas parties mm-hmm. I suppose the big mistake always has been you know kind of the free bear by the employer and everyone mm-hmm. just goes and takes advantage of that mm-hmm. and then you know that's where you have someone says something inappropriate someone else embarrasses themselves and of course you know someone maybe is 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 insulted it goes back into the workplace the the line managers are left dealing with it it impacts upon work relations when you when when they're back together on monday morning and that may drag on for a number of weeks or months and or maybe some relationships never get repaired and that's unfortunate when that happens but is it more than unfortunate does it have an impact on your rights as an employer or or rights as an employee even? Does it go into that as serious as that? Yeah, well, first of all, you know, a a Christmas party, for example, work event, uh, it is an extension of the workplace. So the employer does have responsibility for uh, the health and safety of their employees Mm -hmm. at a workplace uh, party event. Okay, so if someone was to be harassed or something inappropriate was done to them and so on, you know, the the work colleague who uh, may have done that or is alleged to have done that, you know, they would be open to, you know, the grievance and disciplinary mm-hmm. process. And most certainly, and I know maybe it sounds a bit scoochy, every, everyone at the end of the year is looking to go out and have fun uh, at the Christmas party. But I suppose the big mistake is employers not communicating beforehand. You know, that, that can be done verbally. You know, what we do with our clients is, you know, we give them kind of a, a template letter that they can work on that they can send out to employees beforehand reminding them that things like, you know, the, the dignity at work policy, the anti-bullying and harassment policy, anti-sexual harassment policy are in place at a work workplace party event in the same way that they are every day when you're in the workplace. Because, um, you know, it is wrong. Um, it, it obviously impacts upon uh, someone's, you know, health and safety and welfare. If you're at a workplace Christmas party and you start having conversations that would be inappropriate inside in the office, but you see it as okay to kind of give that throwaway comment, you know, at 11 or 12 o'clock after a few mm. gargles and at the Christmas party. And of course, that's not correct. And the, the employer 
is negligent uh, if if they don't look after the health and safety okay. of their employees at the Christmas party it's as well. It's a bit of a minefield, isn't it? Can we just um, talk a little bit about, you know, it, it's a bit of a stress sometimes for some people to get to the party. You don't have to attend a Christmas party. No, you if don't. It's out and, of uh, hours. You know, but if it was during office time, do you have to attend it? Like if people decide to have a lunch, for example, which I hear a lot of people doing now instead of the nighttime party. Are you expected to attend that then? Well, uh, I suppose, you know, during uh, working hours, you may be expected to attend. However, you know, uh, people may have an open mind uh, with regards to that as well. Uh, when it's out of hours, no one should be forced to attend and, and they don't have that. And okay. that should always always be respected as well, by the way. And very often, you know, there are people who have had bad experiences and <laughs> unfortunately, and they don't want to go back. And mm. I suppose, especially, you know, where it's it evolves around alcohol and that type of thing. A lot of people are obviously kind of uncomfortable with that you know they're, mm. they, they maybe don't drink or uh, and mm-hmm. so on so it doesn't really appeal to them but I suppose the what I would say uh, about that is you know every workplace should be aiming to have a, a kind of inclusive uh, workplace Christmas okay. party and it should it should appeal to all because I do think it is unfortunate when you're having a nice social event to celebrate the end of year and all the work and uh, has been done and what you have achieved I think it's a pity when some people uh, feel that, you know, they don't want to be involved in that. And I suppose when that happens, you have to ask the question, you know, are we doing this right? Uh, you know, are we only appealing to certain workers uh, yeah. when, when so other like workers don't like want to? It's like having no thing. vegetarian food or vegan food on the menu. You need to think about everything within your yeah. workplace. Yeah, you need something for everyone, and that's that's important. And I, I think because of remote working you now and things like that, I think an, an awful lot of workplaces are kind of doing things a bit differently, more flexible. Mm-hmm. You mentioned, you know, they may do things during the day now instead, and I know especially with remote working and so on, you know, bringing people together is very important, and you want them to have a nice experience. It's good from, you know, team bonding from the socialisation point of view. So, you know, uh, a, a lot of uh, organisations now are doing kind of, you know, fun games and events mm-hmm. or bringing in an outside company, or you might go an escape room or something like that uh, and they can be great fun and I suppose the, the thing about those kind of uh, you know kind of fun events as opposed to just you know uh, an open bar at, at night time is that it's kind of more inclusive everyone can can be involved in that and um, you know or, or, or else you know maybe vice versa you know one is interested in one side of it and the other is interested in the other side mm-hmm. of it and you know by the end of the day everyone has been involved in a kind of a celebration which is obviously a great morale booster which is what it's meant to be all about mm. What if you hold a load of sickies what if you hold your Christmas party on a Wednesday night and there's a whole load of sickies <laughs> the next day and yeah. it's kind of <laughs> obvious why those sickies are happening can a, a boss do anything about that you can't really accuse people of doing sickies can you in a, in a HR manner no, well, look, I suppose, uh, look, if someone takes a sickie the day after the Christmas party, uh, you know, it's it's the same as the, the taking a sickie at any, any other uh, okay. <laughs> time of the year. OK, so it, I suppose it pretty much all depends on what, what's been going on for the rest of the year. Mm. Um, however, like the timing of your Christmas parties, obviously, and it can be hard in different workplaces, depending on the way that people mm. work. I mean, if you have a straight kind of nine to five, Monday to Friday workplace and you go out on Friday night, OK, it's out of hours but that generally kind of works well you know inside in other workplaces mm. maybe a 24-7 kind of roster system manufacturing medical mm-hmm. device environments and all that type of thing so obviously it's very hard in those uh, circumstances to kind of get it right so someone is always going to be working the, the following day um, 
you know, it's very important for the workplace to get the timing right. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. if, if you go out on a Wednesday, Wednesday night and a Monday to Friday job, obviously, like your whole work workforce is, is hung over tomorrow. Mm-hmm. You've got to think about health and safety, being being able to drive into work the, the following morning and you don't want any accidents or mishaps there. Um, so getting the timing right is uh, very important. Um, you don't want to organise you know, a workplace Christmas party and then have loads of sickies the following yeah, day. So, you know, and, plan it properly is okay. important. And Damien, will you just talk to us quickly about social media? Because I know it's all about, you know, being sensible, but I think people sometimes aren't very sensible about social media. And what do they need to be aware of when it comes to what you're uploading during your Christmas party? Yeah, OK. Well, the important thing here uh, for any employer, for any workplace is that you should have a social media policy as part of your, your company staff handbook. If you don't, you're, you're, you know, you really are leaving yourself open to uh, mishaps. And of course, like social media posts that are personally put up there after Christmas parties and things like that or from workplace events, you should have a social media policy and you should remind your employees before the Christmas party um, that they need to be mindful of what they post on social media and that the social media policy in the workplace, um, you know, uh, comes into effect at, at the Christmas party as well. Mm. Social media has caused huge damage to uh, some organisations over the last number of years where, you know, very inappropriate uh, videos and so on um, have been posted up and Mm. they have got linked back to, you know, a certain company's Christmas Mm -hmm. party. Of course, the the reputational damage done there is enormous. What you would also see then is, you know, uh, one colleague posting something, uh, a picture from uh, the, the Christmas party night. And another colleague then having a problem with, you know, what that picture is showing or mm-hmm. uh, the, was there permission for, you know, my, my work colleague to put that picture up. It shows me in a bad light, da, 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 that kind of thing. And of course, that manifests itself back into the workplace then and into relationship issues uh, inside the workplace between those two colleagues. And very often ends up maybe with the line manager inside and yeah. meetings and so on. And they so become be formal. Sensible. Yeah. But I yeah, suppose so one I, person's I, sense is not another person's sense. Well, exactly. But I think that, you know, the the kind of main point is that, um, you know, just throwing Christmas parties willy nilly and leaving everyone out, mm. you know, uh, free reign kind of thing doesn't, uh, you know, there can be mishaps mm. and it, it may sound a bit scroogey. And I know line managers and, you know, people in the HR departments don't like to stand in front of people and kind of remind them about the social media policy, you know, the morning of the Christmas party where everyone's getting into good spirits. But it's important that everyone is aware of the standards because where there is mishaps, you know, I suppose someone is damaged by, uh, you know, something that was said or mm. something that was so, uh, posted on social media. And that's not what you want to achieve from a Christmas party. Okay. So a very quick reminder of communication and just the standards it's a good reminder for people before they head out to have fun. Yeah, good stuff. I say you hear some crazy stories, do you and HR buddy? Yeah, well, well I, 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 I have a lot of secrets. I can't, I can't tell you so. all those stories, but there has been some good ones. But I'll have to take them to my grave. Okay, but like ones that are you ever quite taken aback by them? Because you, like, I know we all do silly things, but I suppose in some way we have an innate idea of how to act at these events. So it must take you back some of the things that you hear. Yeah, well, 
like I suppose uh, some of the stories over here that may, you know, they kind of would have come across the desk. I think, thankfully, the kind of funny ones normally get sorted out. Okay. They weren't funny at the time, but they're left at, you know, it's where, you know, someone thought, you know, like they behave like they're at a stag party yeah. and do something that wasn't funny at the time that upset the security uh-huh. staff or the bar owner, mm. that kind of thing. Um, <laughs> you know, and, uh, you know, maybe some reputational damage for the company, mm. the, 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 company and all that kind of thing but actually you know in, in six months time everyone looks back looks back at it and it's funny you know but mm-hmm. um look where there's alcohol involved and work colleagues trying to get her there's it is going to be fun and frolic so mm-hmm. you see some funny incidents happening along the way I'd say so well be careful out there hr buddy is the company and they look after your human resources and it is hr buddy dot ie that is damien mccarthy damien thanks a million for joining me this morning thanks orla the Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. Sunday morning, it is, of course, the Sunday Grill here on Beat 102-103. And we've been talking a couple of things to do over Christmas and right now is no different. Uh, Clonmel Theatre Guild bring us a piece of theatre with a difference next week and for a great cause. You might have heard of The Odd Couple. It was a comedy series set in New York in the 70s about two very different men who have to become flatmates. Well, Clonmel Theatre Guild have an upcoming production of that and it's very different and it's in a very different setting as well. They're raising funds with it for a great cause. Paul Sheehan is the director and he joins me on the Sunday Grill this morning to tell us more. You're very welcome, Paul. Thank you so much, Orla. Lovely to be here. This is intriguing in so many ways that you're raising money for a charity, <laughs> the setting of where the piece of theatre is and the fact that you've you've turned gender on its head as well, haven't you? We have. Well, I, well, I really should be giving... Uh, uh, credit to Neil Simon for that. Um, as you mentioned, we had the TV series in the 70s. Mm-hmm. There was the classic movie with Walter Matthau and mm-hmm. Jack Lemmon in the 60s as well. And he returned back to it in 1985. It opened on Broadway with Rita Moreno and Sally Struthers. He just decided to revisit it. And ultimately, he felt the story warranted another crack. And he's been quoted as, as actually saying that it's superior to the original script itself. And it seems very apt for back then. There was a lot of uh, shift happening in terms of female representation. Mm -hmm. It it takes a very good look at female sexuality, Um, but it's also quite pertinent for now as well. I think there's a lot of themes and issues that it touches on um, quite well. So we decided to take another stab at it and bring it to the masses. So this is a, like you were saying, it was a movie to start with, then a comedy series and then a Broadway show. And was the movie versus the script for the Broadway show completely different then because it was about two women? Or the same premise? The, the, well, in, in the case of, so it opened on Broadway first mm. and then it was it was uh, adapted into a film. Okay. And those, script, those scripts are quite close. Okay. In terms of the difference between the male and female version, the boys originally played poker, the girls are playing Trivial okay. Pursuit. Uh, so, which which the audience I may may get offended. to partake in it as well. Okay. I know, but it's 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 funny because they talk about it in the script that they had been playing poker themselves, but it seems that they just gave up on it. I'm sure there were many arguments had over the table on a Friday night. So. And with that in mind, is it a little bit of its time? Was there anything you had to change so that people wouldn't be offended? Uh, 
No, they, 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 they were obviously, and, and that's been wonderful with the cast. It's been very collaborative. People have, you know, had the space and the platform to, to bring different ideas and, and a couple of things came up, but I think it's, it's so tongue in cheek. It's, it's a very playful story that there there wouldn't be anything in there that I would assume would upset anyone. But I think the, the power of it is it's very much a comedy, but I think you'll find that men and women alike will come out of it having discussions. You know, these are two, two people who are at a crossroads. One has been divorced for a few months and then another finds out that she's about to end up in the same position. And it's, you know, friends coming together and, and dealing with and supporting each other through tough situations. But then, you know, it's the old adage, if you want to know me, come live with me. And that's where the, the, the humor and, and all the hijinks come from. So it sounds like that um, comedy series with Jane Fonda, Grace and Frankie was quite influenced by the odd couple. Couple, You know, that series that's on Netflix. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. I love that you brought that up. It definitely uh, draws parallels with that for sure. Okay, yeah. So all of know uh, that, they'll kind of know what they're getting in Clomel from December 5th. Now, um, it's called The Odd Couple, a female version. It's... Um, you're putting proceeds towards Daisy House, is that right? Yes, we every year with most productions, not just necessarily Dinner Theatre, the Guild always attach themselves to a charity and some of the proceeds that we raise during production will go to that charity. And we've worked with the likes of Coon Sayre and other people in the past. The the onus usually is on the director to choose a charity. So I went off and had to think about it. And Daisy House, they were established for us in 1989. Mm-hmm. Um, they're a registered charity and approved housing body that support women out of homelessness. And there is a touch of this in the story where one of our protagonists has to leave home and has to try and rebuild her own life. So I just found they're a really great cause. They support women who, as I say, do not have a roof over their heads, mm-hmm. but also get them back on the employment trail as well. So they, they have a, a comprehensive resettlement program. And obviously, you know, homelessness can happen for a number of reasons. It could be domestic issues, abuse, violence, addiction. It can be anything. So they they cover the whole gamut. So I just felt that it was a perfect pairing and we're okay. delighted to be, you know, sending some proceeds to them. I think it's going to be great. Great to hear around yeah. Christmas time as well. Now, Absolutely. there's another element of this. The venue where The Odd Couple, a female version, is being held is Raheen House Hotel. And this is a dinner performance, which, again, is a bit of a throwback to maybe the times of The Odd Couple when it first um, aired in the 60s, 70s, 80s. It's it's got a real retro feel to us. And I think I'm really here for this. I think I'd love the idea of this. (laughs) So when I first started out in theatre, like I was only a teen, one of my first exposures to any form of theatre was doing dinner theatre in a hotel ballroom. Wow. To, to to paint a picture, the, the tables, you know, we're using circular tables for our performance, which I think is going to just add to the, 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 the immersion of the whole thing. Mm. The audience are right up on top of the stage no holds barred, no one, nowhere to hide. I mean, people are having full-blown conversations <laughs> during the performance. I did a show a couple of years ago 
just when things were beginning to reopen called Don't Dress for Dinner by Mark Hamaletti. And I mean, we had people shouting retorts up. It's 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 almost like going into battle when, when you go up on stage for a piece of dinner theatre. Yeah, but it's it's wonderful. I mean, if you if you want to sharpen your your tools in terms of uh, you know being an actor, I think it's a, a great uh, playground to jump up and do things with. But it just, especially the time of year, or with you know there'll be a lot of staff parties. People will be figuring out what are we going to do for a staff night out. Mm-hmm. I think it's the perfect idea for that. You get the first act of the show. Then you have the intermission, you get your main course, dessert, all the trimmings, and then you're back in for more laughs and act two. So it, it really lends itself well. And Raheen as well, you know, it's a boutique hotel. It's, uh-huh. it's small, it's very intimate, but the space itself, it just lends itself so well, especially to comedy. Just it, it's, it's lovely to be in a room with 110 other people and just hearing them all yeah. belly laugh and just have a good time. And that's, I presume that's what it's about. You, because they're round tables, there'll be people sitting with people they don't necessarily know, which, which must add to the fun as well. It totally does. It's as someone asked me the other day, I said, well, you know, it's potluck. And, and they were even saying, oh, but what if my back is to the, the, the stage? And I said, oh, it doesn't work that way at all. Once we know that, you know, curtains are up, so to speak, people start swiveling their chairs around. They're checking behind. Are you good? Can you see? We're all it's all it, it becomes, you know, everybody is actively involved. It becomes a collaborative experience. And, and I think okay that's what's really, that really great about experience, it. Because I think we're all, oh. you can find, sometimes <laughs> you find the theatre a little bit stuffy. It's none of this, shh, it's, yeah, okay. Yeah, well, it's it's funny because I, I can recall back, as I said, a couple of years ago, and, and people were, as I said, having full-blown chats and others were going, shh, quiet, will you really stop? <laughs> and then other people were just shouting, oh, I knew it was him. It almost becomes very pantomime-like. Yeah. If anyone's been to to Panto, that's the that's the vibe that you have. People feel that they've got a little bit of license to potentially heckle, but it only adds to the experience. Everybody wants the people on stage who are telling the story to just you know propel things along and and do their best. So okay. you know it's never sinister; it's always for the best. And so two actors it's, is it's it great. throughout the play. Yeah, it, it, so you see, some nights it's like with anything. When especially when you're on stage in a, in a regular theater, mm. you can feel the energy. You'll know when an audience is up for it, mm-hmm. uh, and and given the setting as well. And obviously, there'll be some bubbly and everything else being lashed about. I'm sure the audience will be more than up for it. <laughs> but uh, you can have quiet nights, and then you can have nights which are completely off the chain. So you never know. You never know. Good stuff. Well, as we said at the start of the show, we are doing lots of performances with a difference this week on the Sunday Grail and the Odd Couple, a female version, is no different. It starts next Tuesday. Is that right? December 5th and it runs until Uh, the 8th. Yeah. December 5th to the 8th. And just one last thing, Orla, given again that it is very much a party atmosphere, we're encouraging people, given that it's set in the 1980s, wear your best oh. 80s fancy, fancy dress. We're going to have some spot prizes or Christmas. If you can mix both together, I'm sure you'll be at the top of the pile in terms of the winner's list. So we're really just want people to come out and have a good night. It, That's it. it. Brilliant stuff. You you had me when you said 80s. So TicketTaylor.com <laughs> is the website. If you want to check out more details, the performance again is called The Odd Couple Female Version and it is from Clonmel Theatre Guild. 
ticketaylor.ie December 5th until the 8th and some proceeds going to the charity Daisy House. The director is Paul Sheen and Paul, thanks a million for joining me this morning. Absolute pleasure. Thanks a million. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. Five counties, one station. You're listening to Beat 102-103 on this Sunday morning and a fancy night for a great cause to think about on the run-up to all those Christmas events. Wexford Soprano, Deirdre Masterson is on an Irish concert tour with the New York Tenors and they're coming to the National Opera House in Wexford on December 3rd as part of their nationwide tour. Deirdre will be performing many songs with the Tenors including her latest release which is her version of Snow Patrol's Run which is in support of Relay for Life Wexford and it is something that's very close to Deirdre and she joins me on the Sunday Grill this morning to tell us more. Welcome back to the Sunday Grill. Oh, thank you so much, Orla. Lovely to be with you this morning. Now, you are always on the go. And I think, was it this time last year or two years ago, you headed off to New York with these same tenors, but to do an American leg of a tour. Is that right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. It was It was this time last year, actually. So this time last year, I was stateside doing a Christmas tour with the New York tenors, Daniel and Andy and Christopher. And uh, we got on so well together, both on and off the stage. We chatted about the possibility of bringing this particular show to Ireland. And yeah, so here we are. I'm thrilled, absolutely thrilled that I get to to stay at home for a week uh, in the run up to Christmas. <laughs> so um, it's brilliant. So there'll be a couple of nights where I get to home to my own bed or less. On nice one. And are the New York tenors true New Yorkers? Oh, they are. They absolutely are. And um, Andy Cooney would be kind of known as the Irish American uh, New York tenor. Daniel Rodriguez is known as the kind of Puerto Rican mm-hmm. uh, New York tenor. Um, he was known as the 9-11 cop. He would have uh, been involved in that. He okay. became sort of the singer renowned with that infamous time. And then Christopher Macchio is the Italiano tenor and oh. would be well known from anything from movies to uh, Broadway and uh, the operatic stages. So they're very, very much New Yorkers, but as you can see, different backgrounds. um, And how did you get to know them? Um, I would have been um, involved with the same management company with the Irish Sopranos with some of these guys um, many moons ago. And I would have performed actually in Carnegie Hall with Andy Cooney um, before and we would have been on tour with some of them in the past. But then these three guys have amazing sort of individual careers. But it was 10, 12 years ago that the show, The New York Tenors, was kind of made. And uh, so I would have known them in some of them individually. But um, collectively, they obviously are the, the New York Tenors and mm-hmm. they extended the invitation for me to guest with them last year. And yeah, so we... I invite them here then. Yeah, they're, they're great crack, I have to say. Um, they don't take themselves seriously. Um, and that kind of fun and humour transfers onto the stage. And they'll sort of, you know, make fun in one another in a nice way about their cultures or their personalities. Uh-huh. Um, so it is, it is very fun. It's a fun show. And, yeah. and that's lovely to hear because I think people have kind of preconceived ideas about yes. concerts when you say tenors and sopranos and things like that. They, 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 they do. They absolutely do. That being unfair to, to tenors or generalising um, for tenors or sopranos, I think people think it's very straight laced and sort of stiff and um, very serious. 
Um, but uh, no, th- this is very much not that kind of a show. And there's there's kind of all the Christmas classics that you would kind of want to hear at this time of the year. Do you know, whether it's the Oh Holy Nights or the Silent Nights or the chestnuts roasting on an open fire. And uh, the plan is to have everybody hopefully dancing in the aisles uh, by the end of the night to New York, New York. Oh, lovely. And yeah. on Tuesday, just gone by, you released your latest mm. single, which is your version of Snow Patrol's Run. I'm always so intrigued by the songs that you choose like <laughs> where did what why did you think run and and what we said because you uh, have a connection to relay for life was that part of it the idea of run yeah or? yeah absolutely so, sometimes Orla, i think that the songs choose you rather than the other way around and that's very much the case for this one um i um, met the wonderful gay uh, Murphy, late gay Murphy, that's obviously synonymous with Wexford Relay for Life uh, a couple of years ago. And she extended the invitation for me to come down and experience Relay for Life Wexford and to sing at it. Um, and I did. And at the time, I think I had Jealous of the Angels out and it was appropriate to sing mm-hmm. at the, the event. Um, and then sadly, we lost Gay in the last year and her wonderful daughter, Fiona, who is now continuing the amazing legacy that she has left. And Fiona asked if I would come back last year and sing Run at the event because Run was what was synonymous with Relay for Life for her mum. And it was her favourite song. And she felt it was definitely kind of signified the kind of darkness into light, which is very symbolic and what Relay for Life is all about. So that's how it came about. I, I sang it for the first time last summer and it just had such an effect I was due to go into studio the following week and ironically I was due to put down a kind of more popular song and I said to the producer Tim do you mind if I just put this down um now I said don't laugh I know I'm not snow patrol and I'm not claiming to be but could we maybe try and, and and do it my own interpretation um and it just really worked and then I went back to Fiona I said look at I've put this down. It's sounding good. And uh, I'd love to see if we could get awareness for this amazing charity, if we could tie it in somehow. And then it just snowballed. And here we are now. And it's it's released and ICS and Relay for Life are very much behind it. And the aim is that, yes, we're just trying to get much needed awareness and funds for this mm-hmm. amazing charity. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I don't think there's anybody not affected mm-hmm. by it at the moment. And like you said, Relay for Life um, is an amazing charity from the Irish Cancer Society. It's a 24 hour event. I think I'm right. And they um, right. it sees people celebrating cancer survivors and then remembering lost ones as well. And as you said, Gay was really instrumental in Relay for Life Wexford. Mm. And she died just this year. That's year. right. In, yeah. in the last year. Yeah. Yeah. So really way, a, a great way to commemorate her, but also to raise funds for Relay for Life as well. So proceeds for that single go to Relay for Life Wexford. That's it. All proceeds. Yes. And and we're we're kind of asking people to donate. So if you download the, the, the track and that's available on Dear Demasters and on my website, Dear Demasters and forward slash run. And there's a donate button there and you can donate anything from one euro up to whatever is possible and all proceeds 
are going to this amazing charity. Great to hear. And then you'll be singing Run at the National Hop- Opera House as well. I will. Yeah. So that that's where we're going to give it its, its first outing. Um, and I'm thrilled to have some of my Irish College of Music Theatre students joining me on that for that special first live performance. So we're very excited about that. And on the night as well, we'll obviously be making an appeal and a further appeal and awareness to this charity on the night. Lovely. So that is on December 3rd, which is right. this day um, week. Is that it? A Sunday night? Oh, my goodness. Is it, is it that soon? <laughs> it's that soon? <laughs> I better start curling the hair. Orla. <laughs> and it feels so Christmassy. All the elements, you know, the singing, yeah. the songs, the venue, yeah. the National Opera House, the twinkling yeah. lights of Wexford Town. It is Christmas personified and it must be lovely to come home and sing with three New York tenors as well. Oh, it is. And I think you've absolutely just pictured it there perfectly. And, you know, I was asked recently in an interview where where am I looking forward to most performing on this leg of the journey? And unbiased and, you know, <laughs> I said, oh, my goodness, it's always such a pleasure to come home and sing at home and to sing in your home county and to sing in the home county, which is the National Opera House. Mm-hmm feels like a Christmas gift to me. So I can't wait. And the the tickets are going fast and furious. I'm thrilled to say there are a small portion left. So to avoid disappointment, I would advise people to book. Okay, good stuff. So that is next Sunday, December 3rd at the National Opera House. You can get more details from their website if you check it out there. But they can also check out your website as well. Isn't that right, Deirdre? That's right. That's right. And that's where you'll get details as well about how run the single is raising money for Relay for Life Wexford in memory of Gay and of course doing great things Relay of Life in the Irish Cancer Society December 3rd though is your date for Deirdre Masterson and the New York Tenors at the National Opera House Deirdre thanks a million for joining me Uh, nationaloperahouse.ie for more details Thank you so much Orla The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103 it is the Sunday Grill here on Beat 10203. He's a man, he's a myth, he's a legend. He's not here in studio. So I'm going to give him a really good intro this week because he says I don't do that for him. It's Brian Griffin! Hello. I thought you were going to talk about the director of the movie because we were just talking about that before we started. <laughs> no, it's you! And I'd like Yay. to say that is so humble of you, but humble is not a word I would use to describe you. It's a good director, though, today. It's a director oh, we like. It is a great director today. What? How, how'd you pronounce his name, Orla? Well, you you gave it to me phonetically, so let's do this <laughs> brilliantly. Taike Waititi. Taike Waititi. I love him. Rita Ora is a lucky woman. Um, This week's movie is Next Goal Wins. And I really do love Taika Waititi. <laughs> You're digging a hole now. You're just it's just getting worse. Such a hole for myself. But can I say why I love him? I like I loved Jojo Rabbit. It really was such a, a great. Yeah. Oh, it was a little bit of everything. Funny, bittersweet, so unbearably sad. It was really, really great. But what I love about uh, Taika is his personality. Did you see the video of him at New Zealand rugby games that went a bit viral? He just no. knows how to celebrate. Yeah, love him. Yeah, he's crazy. So let's talk about Next Goal Wins. Um, yes. This is a based around a true story 
about an American Samoa national football team that were brought to the 2014 FIFA World Cup thanks to their Dutch American coach. And that coach is played by Michael Fassbender. And next goal win looks like a hell of a ride. Brian is here to give us his thoughts. Will we have a listen to a clip, Brian? Sounds good to me. I laughed through this. So I'm hoping this is going to be the movie I watch after I watch Saltburn. (laughs) Yeah, oh, it's a very, very <laughs> random double, double billing. I'll tell you a, that a random double billing. Okay, here we go. Next goal wins. It's safe to say you have zero talent or understanding of the game. Something not right about this guy. Well, he is white. Coach, you've got the toughest job on the island. All he wants is just one goal. One goal. Come on, guys! We've worked too long and hard for this. You've only been here a few days. What the? I can't work with these guys. For them, it's like some sort of game. It is a game, Thomas. That's it, Jaya. Leadership. Now we're making some progress. Dear Lord. Well, thank you for sending us Mr. Rongan. We've become quite attached to him. It's like finding a little lost white kid at the mall and telling him which way to go. And that kid is Michael Fassbender, who plays the Dutch American coach. It's a long time since I've seen Michael Fassbender in anything. Like he's in The Killer as well as that Netflix. I haven't seen it okay. yet now, but he's. But it's it's such it is a random one because he seems to. Like too esteemed to play to be in this kind of a movie, do you know? Yeah, he's. It a, is very much a silly, silly movie. Yeah, he seems like quite a method actor when I think of Michael Fassbender, who loves a serious movie, and this is quite quirky. And I, I do like Jojo Rabbit, even though the story was more serious and set in a more serious time of World War Two. It had loads of quirks in it as well. Oh yeah, like everything, everything Taika Waititi has done is well, apart from like Thor. Mm. As especially the tour Love and Thunder, which isn't great, but we won't talk about that. No, one. but uh, everything else is kind of like it's set in a serious situation, but in the most like it takes it it makes jokes for as much as it can, mm-hmm. it, which is weird because like it takes the most serious situations but sees the light lighter sides of them, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, well, this is just starting off. It's a it's a like it's such a, a like a silly premise. They just. It is American Samoa. They just want to score a goal in, in soccer. But it means a lot to them. And they just want to... But it's all it is. It's just want to score a goal. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. You get a, you get a comedy. You get a Taika Waititi movie. And you get it to be about soccer. So I'm, I was in before. It's I was everything actually you want. Look, looking forward to this for months, honestly. So uh, it had... It, it's one of those things where it's like... You've kind of hyped it up in your head as much mm-hmm. as you, you don't want to. Uh, like it was originally supposed to be Army Hammer was the main role in oh, it. Oh, I can see it. Yeah, obviously things happen there. But yeah, 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 I could see him in that as well. But is Michael Fassbender a good choice? He is. He's like he 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 takes it really seriously. And like obviously one of the things about comedies is like if if the role is taken seriously and like played as if it's a drama, it's fantastic. Like you know, but it's just there's so many silly things happen, but. Michael Fassbender is, I think him being a serious actor kind of works in a way because he's such a like serious guy in such an unserious situation. It kind of it makes it even kind of funnier, like, you know. 
Now, uh, Taika co-wrote this screenplay uh, play as well as directing yeah. it. So you, you can really see his comedy within this. Well, yeah. See, I actually co-wrote it with Ian Morris. Mm. And Ian Morris is the fella, one of the fellas who was behind the in-betweeners. Okay. Oh, brilliant. So though, if that doesn't tell you what kind of the sense of humor is in this movie, mm-hmm. I don't know what it is. Like, it's, yeah, like immature quirkiness. And it's so like it's it's just so funny. It is a very very funny movie. Okay, um, not doing great reviews wise from things that I've heard. Like kind of very average reviews. Are people going in expecting a lot, or did you what did you expect from it going in? Was it just for the laughs, or did you want to learn about this true story? <sighs> well, I know you. It's just I'm, I'm going into be entertained. <laughs> yeah. I'm going into be entertained. Yeah, it is really into. <laughs> I'm trying to be like, how can I, how can I sound cool by saying something here? I was so I want into the FIFA funny. World Cup of 2014, but yeah, you just wanted to to laugh. Oh, like, yeah, man, it's 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 just, it's a fun movie. Like, it's not, like, it doesn't, like, it's not. It's one of those movies where you see a review and it might be like, have it like a six rating on IMDb, but it's a six for a comedy, so that's solid. Do you know what I mean, this was yeah. like, it's 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 not a. It's not going to win any Oscars, mm-hmm. but it's won a place in my heart, okay. which I think. Uh, Will well, Arnett and Elizabeth Moss are in this as well. Funny feeling these yeah, are they, pals, all pals together yeah, getting together. Reese Darby kind of pops up on it as well. So that's kind of like like crazier people in, in the side of like the, I think it's like the American FIFA kind of group, whatever the, like, so basically they hire Michael Fassbender to mm. the country. He doesn't actually like want to be there either. Okay. So he's kind of like this reluctant coach and he has all these anger issues with his ex-wife and it's a it's a whole thing. But it's it's they they're kind of sillier, whereas Michael Fassbender is constantly serious. Like it's he just maintains a serious role. And it just works. I think it works really well, but I don't know. Don't listen to the other critics, you know. And Michael Fassbender does comedy well, do you think? Or is he the straight man throughout? I think he's a straight man throughout. Like he does kind of like he does silly things as well, but he always he never lets go of the character he is because obviously it's based on a true story as well. Mm-hmm. Like you have to kind of maintain a certain amount of realism, like because even when they do the things when they're like, this is what the real person is like, it's like it's pretty much the exact same as what they were in the movie. So everyone on the island, everyone like from American Samoa is actually like, this, the real life them seems to be pretty realistic to what they are like you know mm-hmm. but it's it's mad because you'd never really see a movie about people from American Samoa yeah and I I didn't even realise that it was a different mm-hmm. country to Samoa which is okay. a big deal in the movie so I don't know it's it's nice to just have a bit of different kind of representation as well and I'll always say yes to a, a movie about soccer and I'll always go for a good comedy so and I always love a movie as well that's set like you said in somewhere very different or, or different cultures as well I remember years ago Chris O'Dowd was in a uh, movie called The Sapphires God, I think it must be more than 10 years ago about these singers from Australia as well and it was just lovely to see really interesting to see actors just placed in different in, in parts of worlds and cultures that you wouldn't expect them in it just seems to really work and it sounds like it worked for Next Goal Wins as well I think it did and I'm willing to stand by that. Okay. Well, you've had a good run of it. Will we give it some black puddings? Yeah, sure. Go for it. So I, I give I give it like a honestly a nine ish. I really enjoyed it. 
Okay. I was laughing all the way through. I, I thought it was really solid, really funny. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't know. I don't know where people are getting like because even it's it's uh, like because we we I saw it at Cork Film Festival uh-huh. and it's it's a uh, it's a sometimes it's a it's a crowd that wouldn't really suit a comedy if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, but they they were the whole laughing the whole way through. So it was like, yeah. So it's it is. I I think it's one of those movies that if you see it on your own in at home, it's not going to be the funniest movie maybe. But if you're in a screening and you're with your friends and you're enjoying yourself, you know, it's like you have to kind of live it. It's the same as a kind of a horror movie. Mm-hmm. If you're in a horror movie and everyone's kind of jumping and screaming at the thing, you're going to enjoy it way more than just watching the film on its own. It's an yeah, experience. Well, comedy. Yeah, good stuff. It's yeah. called Next Goal Wins. It stars Michael Fassbender. Lots of other people you'll recognise in there as well. Brian gave it nine black puddings out of ten. Brian, thanks a million. No problem. See you next week. Bye. Goodbye. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102 103.